0: Thank you.
1: Hey, my fellow monkeys, what's up? Old Uncle Silverback here with you on the Armed Ape Podcast, the show where we review and talk about everything from guns, gear, and movies to life in general. Nothing is ever out of bounds. As always, everything we talk about has the end goal of making our lives better by cutting through all the marketing BS using logic, reason, and honest discussions. I look forward to hearing from you soon and to your participation in the show. Hey, my monkeys, what is going on? Today is Saturday, it's so the 12th of December, 2015. Let's get our contact info out of the way. I have the voicemail number, which is area code 206 745 81206 745 2731. If you would like to record some audio or if you would like to send in an email, the email address is thearmedape at gmail.com, all one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. If you go over to the website, I do have Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube buttons, and you can check those out if you'd like. There is also an Amazon search box and a PayPal donate button if you're so inclined to uh, donate to the show. So that stuff is done and over. On the show today, we do have some feedback. Uh, from Thomas up in Salem, and he is sort of giving, I guess I'd call it maybe like a mini-review on the iPhone 6 Plus. And uh, we also are going to talk about the movie called After, A-F-T-E-R, and this was released in 2012. Let's go ahead and hear from Thomas.
0: Hello, Thomas down the road in Salem. Hey, I'm hoping I caught you before you ordered a uh, iphone 6 plus i had one and ended up sending it back after two weeks um i have big pockets i wear cargo pants but i'm telling you this is like a brick in your pocket um uh it's kind of like the difference between a 380 and a 9 millimeter in your pocket it's all of a sudden you know it's there all the time i mean literally all the time but it's an 800 phone and that's a lot of glass you're bending over and you're uh, lifting things using your waist to leverage over heavy things and that phone is just always there so the, the regular six is big enough I don't know if you're jumping from the four to the five but uh it's a big jump the six plus is huge I'd be careful I'd go to uh, uh I don't know Verizon or AT&T shop and See if you can get them to untether it from the wall. Stick it in your pants and do some squats because uh, your, your phone is going to flex. So, anyway, that's my two cents. And uh, great show.
1: Hey, Thomas. Thanks for sending that in. You know, for me, a lot of those issues, I don't know that I'll necessarily have them. I know the phone is bigger. I have actually gone down to the Apple store and checked it out. And for me probably 99% of the time the way that I carry my phone is it goes into a front shirt pocket and I checked on the size of the iPhone 6 plus and it fits into my shirt pockets you know t-shirt pockets stuff like that so I don't think I'll have too much trouble with it and it'll probably be a thing of if it feels a little big at first probably after about a week or so of having it you know, you just sort of adapt to it, and that'll be kind of the new normal. But what I do want is to have the the little bit bigger screen. I like having the larger screen, um, and I like some of the upgrades that you get with that. Now, originally, when I talked about it, i i the uh, the phones that were on the website on Apple were going for around like three hundred and some odd dollars. Let's say close to four hundred, I guess and currently right now i guess they're what around 600 or something maybe uh so anyway but that price was of course you know by the phone and then you can go through them and maybe do a a contract so it's not it wasn't as good a deal as i originally thought it was uh, eventually i'll get one i don't know if i'll try and maybe get one used off of ebay or something like that or maybe i can get one used from the the cell phone company that I go with which is Ting and I've talked about them before they do have a thing where you can get new or refurbished phones from them sometimes their selection of course isn't as good Uh, but anyway I've looked into other maybe other providers and maybe going back to them I've looked at um, Verizon who I was with and Verizon out here, especially out here in Arizona, has really, really good coverage and there's a lot of the 4G stuff. So the one kind of downside I will say with Ting is that it's mostly 3G and so my phone, if I'm out is pretty slow. If I'm on Wi-Fi, it's not that big a deal. What I think, like I said,'ll I'll probably end up just waiting a little bit. My phone, I can tell though, is sort of starting to slow down it's starting to get a little sluggish and i know some of that can be with well you know and what i have is the the 4 i have the iphone 4 and they're already gone into the 6s i guess now so even the 6 plus is kind of the last or next to last gen i guess you could say uh, but anyway i've i've noticed that uh, uh the phone is real, is getting a little bit slower and a little bit sluggish and uh, my battery life is kind of going down on it but you know as those phones get older some of those things kind of some of your performance kind of starts to go down a little bit with it i know i could get another battery and and you know take the the phone apart i wouldn't be afraid to do that i wouldn't would think that i couldn't do it but mm, i don't know like i said i'll probably get one off of ebay and, or, or from Ting. And if I get one, maybe from Ting or something like that, I may pay, end up paying a little bit more, but if there was something wrong, I know I, I'm covered. I could send the phone back and all that stuff. So anyway, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it and hope to hear from you soon. Sorry. It took me so long to get that thing going, but man, lately it is just, it's like pulling teeth to, to find a, to find some time to actually sit down and get in front of the microphone. So anyway, let's go ahead and let's start with our movie review, or our movie discussion, I guess. And that again is on the movie After, and this was released in 2012. And the stars are Stephen Strait, and he I and, uh, was almost going to give the character name, but I'll do that here in a little bit. And Carolina Wydra. And, uh, there's not a whole lot of extra people in the film. And, but I guess before we get too far down into our discussion, the way that I will do the reviews or movie discussions is I will talk about the movie up to a certain point and then I will say, okay, that's it. And if you want, I'll play the ending, I mean, I'll play the ending music. And if you want, you can be sort of done with it. At the end of that, I'll come back. And then from that section on, I'll talk about everything, in, including the uh, uh, the ending of the movie, and there will be tons of spoilers in there. Uh, I, I, won't, I will try to keep the spoilers down to a minimum. Generally, kind of what happens is it seems I usually will talk about the first 15 to 20 minutes of the movie, uh, which a lot of times is sort of going to be like the first act. And so generally in most movies, that's there's not going to be too much that that is going to be revealed. Certain movies, however, you sort of know something is, is up within the first maybe five minutes or so. And in a way, after is kind of like that, you know that something isn't quite right uh, relatively soon uh, uh, upon getting into the movie. So uh, let me grab my notes here. And we'll get started um, So the, um, the movie opens up And we see that a young woman is sitting on a bus And she's by herself There's nobody else on the bus And it's at nighttime. The bus stops, makes a stop A guy gets on, he goes and sits a couple of seats behind her And sort of off to um, You know, her left she's, or he's, op, uh, he's on the opposite row um, she's writing in a journal, her book gets dropped and he picks it up and then has a conversation. And I'm going to play a clip of, of that and it's a little bit longer. And I've, I think I've got maybe about th- two or three clips that I've planning on playing. I'll, I'll see, sort of see how it goes and they will be a little bit longer, but I think they're sort of important. It helps kind of paint the picture a little bit, uh, or they're just scenes that I kind of liked and how they kind of interact at in the very first part of the movie I actually really like. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Where are you headed?
0: Oh. Yeah, me too. Where's, where's home for you? Um, Pearl. No shit, you live in Pearl. Oh, um, yeah. I live in Pearl. Really? Yeah, yeah, I'm on Cannon Avenue. You live on Cannon? I live on Cannon. Come on, what house? Uh, I'm sorry, that's rude. You don't have to tell me where you live. No, it's, it's, it's fine. I'm 318. I'm 310. Oh, yeah. Hmm. What do you do for a living? I'm a nurse. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm Freddy, by the way. Anna. What do you do? Uh, I'm a, um, projectionist by day, artist by night. Projectionist? At the theater in town? Uh, see. Oh, what kind of art do you do? Um, comics, mainly for kids. Mm, not exactly up here, let me I'll show you. Get the, just in my uh me... Show you. Uh-oh. Oh, thanks. This is uh something I'm working on. It's good. sometime since we live, live so close yeah maybe all means. Right. You were writing about me in there?
1: All right. So that was their sort of introduction. And at the end, you know, you hear the bus... Crashes the, the bus, you know. Crashes. You hear that sound. The next thing that we see is th- there's kind of a flashback to a, a little girl, and she's performing a, a play with her aunt. The next thing we see, it cuts to Anna is waking up, and she looks over at the clock. Now, this is something that at first, the very first time I thought I, that, that I saw the movie, I, I kind of thought, "Oh, did I see what I think I just saw, or was it kind of a glitch?" When she first wakes up, she looks over at the clock, and it only lasts maybe about half a second, maybe even shorter. But I went back and looked at it. The clock at first says 3.17 or 3.15, you know, something like that. And then there's like a little flicker, and it changes to 9.17, and I thought, oh, you know, that, does, does that mean anything? Or again, is that, and so anyway, she's like, oh no, I'm, I'm late for work. And so she pops out of bed. She goes in there to start get ready for work. And she's wearing like a, she sleeps in a tank top or something. And she's, she goes to put her hair back up in a bun to get ready. And then she notices under her arms, her arms are, uh, she has hair under arms. And you can tell by her reaction, she is like, what the heck? That That is not her her normal grooming habit. So she drives into work and she parks in the parking garage and you see that there are some other cars there. It shows her sort of getting off the elevator on her floor. She kind of comes in. She's very preoccupied. She looks up on the board and goes in, puts her lunch away in the kind of in the, in the break room. And it's at this point that she... She sort of notices, well, something's off. And, and she looks around and she there's nobody. There's nobody around her. So she goes out and she starts looking around in the hospital. She goes all through the hospital. There's nobody around. She can't find anybody. She tries her cell phone. Her cell phone isn't getting any signal. She actually goes up and tries uh, the, one of the phones in the hospital. And there's really nothing. It's just kind of dead. As she's wandering around, she then goes into the security office. And there is a bank of monitors. There's probably, you know, 10, 15 monitors or so. And she looks at this little recording thing. All the monitors are blank. There's nothing on there. But there is kind of a... I don't know if it would if it was a VCR that's recording something or if it's a digital recorder. Probably is some type of a digital thing uh, that would normally record all the security stuff. She hears audio and she sees that that recorder is running. And when she looks down at the recorder you actually see it has the date of March 13th 2012 and the time is 9:52 so she's probably if if we're going like trying to construct a little bit of a timeline you know she by the time she's got to work she's probably only been here maybe like 15 minutes and this is one one thing sort of uh, kind of like the conceit of the film you would think that she would notice that there's nobody around you would think that As she gets into the elevator and comes up and everything that there's nobody around. But you sort of have to kind of buy that she was sort of so preoccupied with being late and kind of focusing and kind of maybe being in her own head a little bit that she didn't really notice that. So she leaves the hospital. She is driving all around town. She's looking for people. She's looking for stuff. She sees that there are cars parked on the side of the road. She sees that there are cars parked in people's driveways. There's porch lights on in some, there are lights on in in certain people's houses, but there's no people around. And she goes up to a couple houses, she's knocking on doors, there's nobody there. And then we kind of cut to the evening. And again, this is one of those things where the film in some ways kind of plays a little loosey-goosey with some of the timeline, because you would think Uh, in in a small town or something, if she's driving around, even if she spent a couple of hours, if she left the hospital and it was, you know, almost 10 o'clock in the morning, it would only be, you know, maybe noon or even one o'clock by the time she gets home. So I guess what she does is you're sort of left to fill in some of the blanks. So I guess what she does is she spends, you know, maybe again, let's say two, three hours sort of driving around or trying to figure out what's going on. She ends up going back home, and I guess she just sort of stays there and tries to figure out what's going on. The sort of the next scene we see of her is that it's nighttime and she's in bed. She's getting ready to go to sleep, and she hears something, and so she gets and it's coming from outside. And she so so she gets up, she gets dressed, and she goes to uh, to leave the house, and she grabs a, a cane out of the closet. And at first, I thought it was a crowbar, but then when I looked at it closer, it was—it's—it's it's a you know a cane like a person would use to help uh, balance themselves. Obviously, you know what a cane is. I guess I don't got to tell you that. <laughs> so anyway, and when she gets outside, she she she, with the sound she's hearing is actually music, and so she starts walking toward it. She goes down to the house, and she she goes in. And she's looking around, and the music is just blaring really loud. And then somebody comes up behind her and kind of grabs her shoulder. She turns around, and raises the cane up, and he's he whips around and he's got like a hockey stick. And they're kind of, ah. and it turns out that it's Freddie, of course, the guy that she met from the bus. And so Anna's like, Oh, you know, I'm glad to see somebody. I haven't seen anybody else. And he's like, Yeah, me either. And they're sort of yelling over the music. And then she's like, Oh, can you turn this down? And he's like, Oh, yeah, sure, sure. And then he was like, yeah, I just had the music up because I couldn't, I couldn't stand the silence. I needed to hear something. So they start talking about stuff. And again, they're, they kind of reiterate, oh, we haven't really seen anybody. And then Anna was like, well, I was going to go to the police station tomorrow. And he's just like, well, we, we should just go now. So they end up going down to the police station. They're checking stuff there. They, They check the radios. They check, um, like, like the dispatch center, they check the phones and it's nothing. And he's kind of looking around, going through some desk drawers. She sees up on on the bulletin board or on one of the boards there is a, a picture of like somebody who's been burned and like somebody who's going into the hospital. And she sort of has a, a flashback of like burning and fire. And there's a little bit like it's it's like one of those things where it's like you're well I, sh- I should know that but I kind of don't you know. So she has sort of like a visceral feeling about that. So anyway, Freddy is going through some of the drawers and when he opens it, he finds a badge and a gun and he takes that and then she's like, well, what are you, are you really going to take that? What do you need that for? And he's like, well, because she's like, there's nobody else around, it's just us. And he's like, well, we need something to protect ourselves. They leave and they're driving around and it appears that it's maybe morning now. Uh, And again, with some of this stuff, I, I don't know maybe if he if they grabbed the stuff and they each went back to their houses and then they like that next morning they got up and you know had had agreed to meet. But so anyway, they're they're driving around and they come upon as as they're going out I guess they're gonna try and drive out of town to figure out what's going on, they come upon this huge black kind of roiling wall of fog. And Freddy gets out of the car. He goes up to investigate it. He puts his hand, you know, he kind of hesitantly puts his hand into the fog uh, and then he pulls his hand out and then he's kind of flexing it like it kind of made it sting or it does have some type of effect on it. Almost like maybe if you slapped your hand down really hard on the tabletop and it kind of stings and you kind of like wiggle it around and flex it a little bit. So what they do is they drive around to other parts of town. The wall is still there. And he notices that it's sort of moving towards them. And then what they do is they drive back into town. And they're up on maybe a rooftop or someplace of a building. And they see off in the distance kind of all around them is there's this huge fog wall. Now, it doesn't encompass them all the way. It doesn't like go up all the way over them to where it's like a dome. But you can sort of see, you, you can't really see the horizon. It's just the fog. But uh, like I said, it's very, very big and it's very, very high. There's also kind of lightning and stuff that's going through it. And so they they get back from there and they're driving uh, back in through town. And then she stops when she sees something. They stop at this diner and then she says, well, that hasn't been here since I was a kid. And he's like, yeah, I remember that. And when they go into the diner, we get a, a color change in how the film is shown to us. Before, what we've seen is everything is kind of dark. Everything kind of has like a cold, kind of like a bluish, grayish tint to it. And now what we see is that the colors are much warmer. So it's got kind of like that reddish or a yellowy base to it. And there's people, there's people in the diner, they're eating, they start going up to people and they're like, hey, you know, hello. Nobody notices them, nobody pays attention to them and they can't communicate with anyone. They can't get anybody to notice them. So while Anna is, is sort of talking to trying to get some attention, Freddie sees some people walking outside. So he goes outside the diner and as he's walking down the street, he's doing the same thing. He's trying to get people to, uh, to talk to him. And then there's a flyer that's blowing on the ground. He picks it up and it's for a carnival. And we cut back to, to Anna in the, in the diner and she sees it's that same woman and the same little girl that we had seen in the flashback earlier, uh, right after the bus crash. And they're talking about, oh, the woman is saying to the little girl, this used to be my mother's and it's yours now. And and uh, it, she basically gives her a little necklace. And then we cut back to Freddie. He's he's at like a shop window and he sees that there there's a newscast and it's talking about this big storm. And the interesting thing is, now, the movie is supposed to take place at the same time when it was released. So basically, it's supposed to take place in 2012. And all the stuff that we see in the movie is probably from about 20 years ago. So we're still seeing all the old, uh, what do they call them, uh, CRT, the, the tube televisions. And some of the stuff that we see in the in the movie you know, would be maybe kind of like some hang around stuff from... The '90s, or maybe even some of the stuff would be, you know, from the '80s, because it looks like it was. It it could have been like a pawn shop, or it could have been something like that. We don't really, we don't really notice, or we're not really told on that. So then we cut back to uh, to Anna, and she's listening to the conversation. She goes up to try and and touch the older woman's shoulder, uh, who we found out is a woman named Aunt Lou. And as she goes to touch the shoulder, everything kind of. It stops and it it cuts immediately to again that gray color and Freddie comes in and then when they exit the diner, the diner's name on the door was called Powell's, and when they come out, it's actually called the Daily Grind and that was something that f- the very first time that I watched the movie that I didn't I didn't notice that so obviously at this point, and this is one of those things like, and this is probably the first maybe 15, 20 minutes of the movie that all this stuff has happened. So obviously there is something that is very abnormal that is going on here. And, but we don't sort of know what it is and they don't sort of, they don't really know what it is. They don't know why that they're the only ones that are around when they, when they see the people and everything like that, they're both having the same experience uh, it's not like they're they're seeing different things, so at at this point, again, this is kind of a little bit of a mini spoiler, but it, it's so early in the movie that it's not. Freddie and and uh, Anna start to have a conversation, and, and he's like, "Well, what do you remember after the bus crash?" And then, you know, they they were talking about like he was talking about like yeah, he kind of woke up with the full beard and everything, and at this point, they're really trying to sort of figure out what's going on. They, they drive out to where the wall is. Uh, he has a tape measure and then he puts it down on the ground in front of the wall and, and kind of, he's also got a stopwatch and he kind of times the advance. And then he's able to sort of figure out saying, okay, well, if it moves this many feet and this many minutes or whatever, that basically what he figures out is they've got around, you know, 65 hours or so, before it would it would reach the center of town. And when, what they've also done is they've sort of driven around to all the roads leading out, and he's gotten a map. And so he's sort of marked on the map, okay, where's, here's where the fog wall is, blah, 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 blah. And they see that it's basically a circle around the town and that the circle is kind of closing in. Also at this point, what's happening is it's, um, because the the fog wall is so tall that it gets dark pretty early, So it's, it's a, it's a thing of, it's almost like if you were down, like, let's say like in the Grand Canyon. Well, if you're up on the top of it at six o'clock, it's still going to be pretty light. But when you're down in the bottom, because the Canyon walls obscure everything, it seems to get a lot darker. there a lot quicker. So what they do is they end up going to a grocery store and they're going to get some supplies, get some flashlights and things like that. And they're... They're, they're trying to figure out, they're trying to talk and and this is the, they're having a conversation of, well, what is going on is, and she, and Anna's like, well, have you thought about, you know, are we, and he's like, are we dead? And, And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, we could be, you know, we could be in an alternate dimension. You know, it could be that, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And he, he seems to be a little bit more open to kind of out there suggestions. And she is wanting more of like a concrete answer and then she's like you know i she's like i haven't seen any birds we've seen you know zero sign of life there's no birds no bugs nothing and then she remembers the monitors that she saw at the hospital and she's like and then what she says is i want to i want to show you something now what i'm going to do is i'm going to play a clip of them at the hospital and at this point this is where I, I, I think I need to draw the discussion or the review to a close because it coming up really soon, we sort of figure out oh, kind of what's going on and, and what's going to happen. And at this point, it's probably been about, you know, maybe 25 minutes or so into the movie. So I'll play the outro music and uh, here in a second, and uh, then we'll come back and we'll continue on with our discussion, which will contain lots and lots of spoilers what I like to do too at this point is talk a little bit about uh, maybe some things that aren't necessarily specific to the movie. I'll talk a little bit about some of the, uh, uh, the actors they look um, especially her. She looked familiar and I I don't know if I've seen, I think I've seen her in other things. Uh, And again, the uh, Anna, the character Anna is played by Carolina Wydra she's been in some stuff she's been in uh crazy crazy stupid love which i never saw europa report which i did see and i think that's where i recognized her from uh, and it says on the on her imdb page that she was born in poland and there's times on there where you can hear a little a little bit of an accent that kind of comes through i didn't notice it the first time that i did it but as i've kind of watched the movie a couple of times and gone back and you know taken notes and and done stuff I can hear every once in a while she'll kind of she'll kind of slip she's been in true blood she's been in justified she's been in uh you know a a few other things it seems like she's got a bunch of stuff going on it looks like she was in uh, the tv series maybe wicked city which like seven seven or eight episodes or though so I don't know if she's like a recurring uh character in that I don't even sure what wicked city is but anyway we have her, and then we also have uh, Stephen Strait. And he's, he's got that kind of that f- familiar face. I'm looking at some of the stuff. If, if, if I would have seen him in something, and I don't really know uh, that he would have been anything that I would have seen And looking at some of his earlier things. It looks like shortly after the release of this movie, he had a recurring part in a TV series called Magic City. Um, Sleeping with the Fishes, was, I guess it was a movie, another TV series, Revenge, a thing called Hot, which I don't know, another TV series, Expanse. And it looks like he's got a couple of other things that are coming up for him. I like him. I, I liked him as an actor. I liked his performance. Of the two, I would say that maybe his was a little bit of the stronger performance, but they both they both did you know quite well. So would I recommend the movie? And I would say if you've got Netflix, it's well worth a watch. It is a um, I don't I wouldn't necessarily call it a low budget movie, but it is definitely it has it really it kind of has the feel of sort of like a first feature. And if you go and if you look at sort of the kind of one of the writer director guys. His name is, let's see, Ryan Smith, and it looks like what he had before were a couple of shorts and and some other things, but basically they were sort of like video shorts, and it looks like this is maybe, it looks like this is only his, um, his only feature-length movie. I haven't, I haven't seen anything else from him, so who knows? Who knows whether he'll, we'll see anything from him in the future, but for that first time feel. And it's not, I'm not using that as like a a pejorative or a derogatory thing, you know, that it feels like a first time thing, but it is definitely, it's definitely worth the watch. And I think you'll enjoy it. There are some little things here and there that, you know, that are kind of a little bit loosey goosey. And like I said, some of the timeline stuff, you know, when you're like, well, how long was this person here? How long were they there? So anyway, if you've got it on Netflix or if you see it at uh, at Redbox or something like that, uh, go ahead and pick it up, give it and, and check it out. I think you'll like it. Also, I'll, I'll take this time to say that if you see it and you want to kind of send in your thoughts on it, just whether you liked it or didn't like it or or what maybe you thought they could improve on, things like that. What I'll do is if you want to have spoilers in your in your review, try and do maybe talk about some stuff where it's non-spoiler and then go into spoilers or if it's all spoilers i'll let, i'll give people a warning so that they can know to skip it and all that kind of stuff if they don't if they haven't seen it yet uh, so anyway i will talk to you guys next time take care All right, we are back and this is going to be spoilerific. So if you weren't really paying attention or you kind of zoned out for a minute and you find yourself here, I am going to spoil the rest of this movie. We're going to talk about everything up into the end. So if you haven't seen the movie, go ahead and turn this off or if you uh, and and come back once you have seen it or if you're like, well, it doesn't really matter, I can hear stuff about it and uh, you can still you still uh, can watch the movie and kind of get some enjoyment out of it. Go ahead and stick with me. Uh, but again, from here on out, there will be spoilers. So when we left, they had had their discussion in the grocery store about, you know, what exactly is going on here? And she takes him back to the hospital. They go back into the security room and I'll go ahead and play the clip. One of the things of course you won't be able to get from the clip is when they are looking at the monitor the date is 3/14/2012 at 3:20 and when we remember or when we go and look back when anna was there the first time the date on the on the clock said 3/13/2012 9:52 now kind of or, or on the on the recording device not on the clock but on the clock I think that that was a clue. Remember I talked about that, oh, there was kind of a flicker. It looked like it said three and then it said nine. So I think that was sort of one of the clues of sort of the, that, that you are in a different reality than you normally would be. Let me go ahead and play that clip and then I'll come right back. And it's a little bit longer.
0: What? I need to show you something. I-, I think this is some kind of recording. Yeah, it looks like it's recording great now. let me rewind? What do we do about this? Well, clinically, there hasn't been much progress. And the latest EEG shows pretty low voltage activity, some diffuse
1: polymorphic delta activity. Oh, what, what does that mean? rewind
0: it, Polymorphic delta activity what worries me are the fevers and electrolyte imbalances your prognosis well oh, i don't really see any other options here We're dedicating room and staff to a situation that quite honestly is a closed door oh check that bag please. yeah this is in somebody's room okay let's give it a few more days say until thursday march 17th yeah that works for me at least there's no family to deal with when they're talking about someone's brain. Sounds like they're about to take him off life support. It's a shame. I hate it for her. Okay, last chance to wake up on it. Holy shit. If someone was in a coma in this hospital, where would their room be? What? Where would their room be? Alright, what does it say? What? You just check the damn heart monitor for me. You know, you don't have to be such an asshole. No, I wouldn't have to be if you just snap out of it. It's 120 beats. What does that mean? It's high. How's your heart rate? Why? Just check it. It's racing, okay? Okay. Sit down. Come on, sit down. I've got a crazy idea. Okay. Just breathe. I just try to calm down. What are you saying here? You think I'm conscious. This is impossible. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Where the hell are you going? What are you looking for? My room. Well, this can't be happening. You do understand that this can't be happening, right? Well... It is happening, isn't it? God, how do you so easily? And besides, it is not March 14th. Maybe it is. That would mean that the bus was two months ago, Freddy. Yeah, and maybe that's why we woke up looking like Wookies. No, but this isn't real. I mean, that's what you're saying, right? No, that this I don't isn't know real. what's real and what's not. The voices we heard were coming from your room, that room, right? And it seems to be recording constantly, like it's live. Maybe we've been out for two months. So why did we wake up today? What happened to the last eight weeks? Listen to me. If what they said about you was true, and it really is March 14th, then we've got... Three days. ...in the darkness. That's why the darkness is moving towards us. In three days, everything will be gone. How do we get out?
1: I think we've got to go through it. Okay, so with that, you know, what we see now, and I uh, i know the clip is a little bit long, but I kind of, and what I did too in there is I kind of cut out some of the pauses so that it moved a little bit so that it just wasn't all that. So it didn't really move that fast in the movie. But what we see now is that Freddie sort of has the gist of it, that they are, that they were in the bus accident and they're in a coma. And the reason that everything is sort of closing in is that they only have a certain amount of time and that they, their minds are kind of aware of what's going on. And when the doctors are talking, that's sort of, that's, I guess kind of gives them sort of their timeline on that. She knows that, well, I've only got another, three days, which if you remember before, when they, I talked about how that he had the, the tape measure and the stopwatch and how he was saying, Oh, it's going to be about 65 hours or so before it kind of, it encloses in on it itself. That would give us sort of that timeline of when they're going to kind of pull the plug on Anna. So again, to kind of re- recap stuff, you know, they're figuring out, well, we've been in this coma for uh, two months and so they, they're going to say, well, we've got to go out and figure out what, what we're going to do. And one of the things that they talk about is that when they get close to the wall, like the battery in the car starts to act up a little bit, they kind of feel uneasy and they start to feel a little bit sick. So what, what they talk about is we're going to have to go through the wall. We're going to, Maybe that's how we get out is we just go into this fog wall and we, we walk out and maybe that will, when we go through the fog, that will allow us to uh, maybe come out of this thing they go into it it's it's uh, very sort of windy and tumultuous as they're walking through the wind stops they get to a certain point there the wind stops and they come upon kind of like a stone doorway that's in there and freddie kind of recognizes the 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 thing and he sees on the ground that there's tons of keys on the ground there's a type of skeleton key he puts it into the keyhole And it makes some noise and does some stuff, but it sort of spits it back out. And then he's like, oh boy, one of 5,000. As they're kind of exploring a little bit more in there, they find a stone pillar that has a a bunch of chains wrapped around it. And they hear like a loud kind of ferocious animal growl. The chain starts to uh, move. And so they run, they leave, they run out, they go back to the car. The thing has followed them out. And when they're going through the car, he's like, give me the keys. Give me the keys. When they're going out there, she throws it to him and he misses, you know, she just kind of throws it at him and it, it goes by him and she jumps in the car. And the, like I said, the, the creature has followed him out. So the chain is sort of out there by the car. He goes to pick up the, the keys when he does it, the, the chain gets sort of wrapped around his leg and he gets started pulled back. And there's a little bit of tension there. And you know, the, the chain eventually slips off his legs. He gets into the car and, uh, they're able to start off and and uh, they drive off. They go back into town and they go to a sporting goods store. And he goes in and he gets a rifle. And it, it's a he gets a bolt action, which again, kind of as as a gun guy, I would maybe that was all that was there. I would have gotten a uh, I wouldn't have got a, a bolt action unless that's all there was available. I would have tried to look for something that would be a semi-auto and maybe he just doesn't know that much about guns and he figures just a rifle is a rifle, but he is able to get the right ammunition. And again, because we're in sort of an alternate reality and alternate dimension, things are at, at this point, you sort of accept that things are going to be a little loosey goosey and things aren't going to be the normal rules aren't going to apply uh, with some stuff, you know, and that was, that was sort of another thing is I would think, well, he would have gotten some weapons for Anna to have as well. Uh, but, but he didn't. So anyway, they end up going to his house and he's like, well, we can try the water. Maybe we can get out through the water. And they go uh, to his house, go out to the garage and he comes, he's in there and he's looking around and he's going to get a boat. And it's kind of like a small, like little dinghy or what do they used to call them? Like a John boat type thing. And then he makes a comment. He's looking around. He's like, man, it hasn't looked this way in years. They go up to his house and we have a flashback for Freddy. And he goes into the house and and once he goes in, of course, there's that color change again. So it goes from that dark kind of gray or bluish tint to sort of a warm kind of yellow uh, or orangish type of tint. Freddy's flashback is he goes up to... Uh, you see him as a little boy and he's kind of drawn in his room. His stepdad comes in and talks to him and kind of is making some overtures to Freddie. And at this point we find out that Freddie's a little troubled. So we don't know maybe if Freddie's dad had died or if it was a divorce. We find out that he's kind of has gotten uh, into probably some small acting outs and some small troubles, nothing really major, but his mother has threatened to send him away to live with maybe other relatives or something like that. And the stepdad is saying, Hey, you know, you kind of got to straighten up and fly right. Or, you know, she may make good on it. She may send you off. But as a little kid, you know, he's just, he's kind of like, "Yeah, you know, I don't really know whatever, blah, blah, blah. And his dad offers, Hey, why don't, you know, he's got a, this is a a baseball. Why don't we uh, major league baseball? Why don't we go out and throw the ball around? And he's like, yeah, maybe later. He's like, yeah, I'll take a rain check. So you see that the step that is actually kind and making overtures towards him and trying to help him. and I really like the reaction that that Freddie has. And we will also talk about a little bit here about the reaction that Anna has when she is looking at the older woman and her. Of course, uh, the older woman is her, is her Aunt Lou, and then the little girl is her as a little girl. Now here we'll we'll also kind of take another quick aside here. I don't know. Anna in the movie has just jet black hair. And the little girl that is playing her has kind of like dirty blonde hair Um, or like what you'd call maybe like a dishwater blonde. I don't know why they didn't get a kid that would have black hair like she did. Um, And maybe they they did it, too, because her aunt Lou had blonde hair. I don't know, maybe they did it to, to where the two of them kind of matched up. Maybe they did it to sort of throw a little bit of a red herring in there to, to where you wouldn't say, oh, that's her as a little girl. But the little boy that they got has, you know, dark hair and kind of dark features like Freddie does. But the reaction that they have when they're when they're seeing themselves as children, they're seeing stuff, you see that there's a lot of regret. And you see the thing with Freddie. In fact, Freddy is, is crying a little bit because he's, you can tell he was, as an adult man, he sort of realizes what his stepdad was doing, realizes that maybe he, you know, could have tr- treated that guy better. And we're never told if later on maybe there was something that that happened in between him and the stepdad or if eventually maybe the stepdad left or or, you know, if something went down. But you can definitely tell there's there's some regret there. Also, we we see and this will come back a little bit later, we see that he is drawing, what Freddy is drawing is he's drawing two people that are in front of this wall, this stone wall, which is basically what we just saw when they went into the fog. Look at my notes here. So they they go out onto the boat, and they're going out in the water, and they kind of have a conversation. So you're getting more kind of character development, and you're seeing kind of like their, Anna and Freddie's relationship um, kind of building but they get out, and it's sort of the same. It's it's the same fog wall. Um, they're not going to be able to get out on the boat. So eventually, they they end up back at Anna's house. And at this point, Freddie's like, you know what? I don't think we should split up. I think we should stick together. They kind of have more discussion about you know, kind of uh, each of their lives. And he's you know, he's saying you're not alone, and you know, this other this stuff. But it's it's more stuff where you see kind of that they're that they are building a relationship and they're building a closeness with each other, even though it's a very short time, but you know, they are, they are in these extraordinary circumstances. So she's in her room. She's getting ready to go to sleep. He goes out and he's sleeping on the couch. And then he kind of remembers something. He goes out, goes back to his house, comes back and shows her that it's shows her the comic, one of the little comics that he was working on. And it's that same, again, he shows her it's the same doorway there is a, uh, a date on there, which is like August 23rd of 92, which would give their age. If we say that they're both around 10 or 11, it's going to put their age right around like 31, uh, for the movie. And that's kind of what I had guessed at before. And they, what they do is they, uh, and again, it's sort of that loosey goosey stuff. They kind of go back outside and they see that there's some carnival lights off in the distance. And I guess they walk down to the, um, to the, to the carnival. And again, we get the color change and we actually see that there's tons and tons of people around. They end up kind of inadvertently splitting up, uh, Ana sees her and her aunt Lou. Freddie sees, uh, himself with his friends and, uh, you know, as, as their kids and sort of as they, they kind of pass each other and they inadvertently sort of bump into each other. Uh, the two as kids and they sort of look back at each other, but you know, it's like, eh, nothing really much happened. What we see is that Freddie and his friends are, well, let me, let me back up here a little bit. So once they sort of have that, we kind they, um, and like I said, they can sort of see each other's, they can sort of see what each other is seeing. So as they were following each other, as they were following their younger selves, I say, they see that when they bumped that the kids, as kids, they bumped into each other and kind of looked at each other. And then when they're talking to each other again, we, boom, we get that color change again where it's all gray and everything. At this point, she starts to tell a little bit about kind of her aunt and what had happened and this, that, and the other thing. And they hear the, um, the monster, they hear him roar and they, they, they take off. And as they're running, they come to uh, the school And they, they break into the school and they're hiding from the, uh, from the monster there. And this is where they sort of get the, the first really good look at the monster. They're actually hiding under a school desk and there's a, you know, like a place for wires or stuff to go through. There's a hole in there and Freddie can see, and he sees the monster around. And then what he notices is that there's like a key that's embedded in the chest of the monster. And what he does is he kind of reaches over the desk and he fires a couple of shots. He hits and kind of grazes it, but it runs off. They're able to then leave. They go back to the house. And when they're back there, you know, they they talk more about, oh, like they basically are finding out that the door obviously is from Freddy's when he, the stuff that he drew as a kid. But what we're also finding out is that the monster is a creature that is from. Anna's plays when she was little, she used to, she wanted to be a playwright and she wrote all these plays and everything. And so we're seeing that a lot of stuff from their younger life is kind of meshing together. They kind of hatch this plan to um, kill the monster and Freddie kind of comes up with the idea that. What they'll do is they'll dress up these mannequins. They'll put, uh, for whatever reason, they're going to put meat on it, I guess maybe to, to, to give it a smell uh, to attract it. Because I, I think maybe they see it sort of as an animal. And they, they rig up and it shows them sort of like in a montage scene, sort of like putting like gunpowder or or stuff from flares. And I guess what they're going to try and do is he's, he's rigged up basically this bomb. They're up on top of a roof. And the plan is, is that when the monster gets close, he's going to pull this string and it's going to light this flare and boom, it's going to blow up. And then they're going to, they'll be, they'll kill the monster. They'll be able to get the key and they'll be able to go back to that to the stone wall that's inside the fog. And maybe that'll do something for him. So they're up on the roof and the monster comes and then Freddy pulls the string. Well, all it does is it pulls the flare, the flare ignites, but it pulls the flare out away from the stuff. And then he's like, Oh no. And then, so they start to, sh- he starts to shoot at the mannequin and he shoots a couple of times, but he misses. And then she's like, Oh, you're a terrible shot. And so Anna grabs the rifle. She shoots, she hits the explosives, Uh, again a conceit of the movie boom it blows up well it doesn't kill the monster unfortunately they go down there and they and she sees like like they see all this meat and stuff she's like no this is the meat that we put in Um, the chain has been severed now and now the monster is sort of free to roam before i think the chain was keeping it tethered to a certain point again maybe you know because we're sort of being in between two or three different realities in that you sort of maybe have to look at that as things are kind of getting a little bit worse for her. And, and, um, the thing is sort of off, it's off, off the chain now. So maybe time is getting shorter. So the stakes are going up. What we also notice at this point is that they go, they go back to, they go back to honest house and she's like, we should stay here. We've got supplies. We've got this, that, and the other thing. And he's like, no, we can't stay here because we need to go into the closer to the center of town. The fog wall is coming in. We have to leave. And they end up going to uh, the movie theater where Freddie works and the monster follows them in. We also notice that the power is going out. Lights are going out all over town. They, the monster comes into the movie theater, goes up to the projection room where they're out. It's kicking, is banging on the doors. they, go out through another way and escape. They end up running to a church. The monster is following them. They, when they get into the church, he's able to block the door with a, like a cross that's there and he's banging on the door and then it kind of seems to give up and it seems to go away. At at this point he's telling her, you know, again, Oh, you're, you know, you're not alone. This, that, and the other thing, and that he's not going to let her die. And he's, you know, he's going to, he'll do what he can. Um, and they start to get to have almost like a romantic moment where he's going to touch her face and maybe lean in to give her a kiss. And then all of a sudden she's like just racked with terrible pain. she kind of gets sick. He takes her in and, and tries to treat her as best he can. Then he brings her back out to the pew and he, he puts her down there. We see that the monster, he looks out through the, one of the windows. He sees that the monster is out there outside of the church, just waiting on him. And, you see Freddie walk out with the rifle. And at that same time, she kind of, kind of comes to a little bit and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm not going to let you die, Anna. And so he goes outside. She tries to follow, but she's so weak that she can just, she can barely walk, but she's, she's moving. And then you hear a couple of gunshots. And then she eventually gets, she kind of crawls and staggers outside and she sees 50 yards away or so. Freddy is kind of out on his back and the monster is dragging him off. She kind of goes back into the church. She, about the only thing she can find to arm herself with is a mop handle. She breaks it off so that she's kind of got like a stake, like you'd use to, you know, to, to stick a vampire with. So she's basically, got she's armed herself with a sharpened stick and she is following kind of the blood trail, that, you know, because Freddy got pretty messed up. She follows the blood play. She ends up coming back to her house. She goes up and she goes inside and she sees that herself as a young girl and her Aunt Lou are doing the play. And she, she had talked about it earlier too that it was her fault that her aunt had died, you know, maybe a little bit sooner than what she should have. And then we also see that... Freddie and his friends, Freddie has a little boy and his friends are coming up and they had talked earlier about, Oh, you know, I I can show you this haunted house. And it turns out that the haunted house for whatever reason is aunt Lou's house where Anna lives. So Freddie and his two friends are there and he says, Hey, see those wind chimes? I'm going to throw this rock. So he throws this rock and it goes through the window. And when they were doing the play, when Anna and her aunt Lou were doing the play, she was playing this monster. So she had a shawl on and they had all these candles on the floor. Well, the rock goes through the window and it hits one of these candles. The candle gets knocked over. It hits and sets on the shawl on fire and it catches sort of Aunt Lou on fire. Freddie, as a little boy, runs up to the window, looks in and his friends are like, oh, did you do that? And then they run off. And then we see that Anna kind of, you know, because Anna has seen this stuff. She's looking out the window She and she sees the boys. And sort of, she had always thought that The reason that her that there was uh, that her aunt got caught that her aunt got burned very badly and ended up in the hospital was that she insisted on having all these candles, and she thought that it was you know it was an accident, but it was primarily her fault. And then we and then she looks over and she sees Freddie and he is just beat to shit. He's all bloodied up, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. You know, this is why we're here. This is why we're together. To I guess to sort of work this stuff out." And he's like, you know, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And she has compassion for him. She doesn't, you know, kind of like blame him. Um, And she's like, no, it's okay. Then what we see is, and again, Freddie is in, he is in super bad shape. And then what we see is that the fog is starting to come in a little bit. And then we also see, And I guess the way that Freddy got there, I don't know if if like the monster brought him or drug him up to the house in trying to get Anna. And it was and this is just sort of part of that world that he's going to drag Freddy around with her because they're kind of linked. So she's got her little stick and she's like, I'm not afraid of you. And this is a part of the movie that I kind of liked because typically at this point she would like, you know, fight it a little bit and stab it and kill it, you know, just outright. It would just like, you know, with her her admonition of I'm not afraid of you you know she would just stab it and kill it but the monster kind of and the monster looks pretty cool it's got this huge mouth with all these teeth it has eye sockets but sort of no eyes so it's like if you had a a round lump of clay and you just pushed in some places for for eyes but you didn't put anything in there so it's 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 uh you don't see into its head it's solid and then the head is kind of all wrinkly and stuff I I like the design of the monster actually quite a bit she goes to stab him and he just like slaps her away like, bitch, sit down. They they kind of end up going back and forth a couple of times. Uh, she actually takes one of the candles and picks it up and kind of shoves it on him. And then you think, oh, he's going to catch on fire and he's going to burn. But eh, he just shrugs that off. And then he he throws her again. She lands on this chair. She still has the mop handle in her hand. And this is where, you know, that's a little bit typical. And then the creature jumps on it to, kill, to get her. She ends up stabbing the creature or the monster and it dies. She's able to take the key or the 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 piece that's in his chest out. She actually well, let me let me back up a little bit. She actually goes, she gets the key, she goes over to Freddy and she's just by him and then you see the fog just kind of rolls in through the house, rolls in through the window and it just surrounds him. And then she opens her she closes her eyes. Cause I guess she thinks, well that's the end of it. You know, she's gonna die. She opens her, and she closes her eyes, and when she opens them, she finds herself in front of that stone doorway, and Freddy is there with her. So she takes the stone key thing, she puts it in the lock in the door. It makes a bunch of sounds, but nothing happens. And then, uh, and again, this is sort of kind of the the supernatural element of it. Uh, You know, Like I said, Freddy is bleeding, he's he's all torn up. A drop of his blood sort of floats up and goes into the key area, and it kind of starts to do something, so then she takes... His hand and pushes it up there, and he is able to push the key in. And part of that is, I think that it had to sort of be Freddie that had to be the one to sort of push that thing in and to, and to open that door. Just like she had to be the one to kill the monster. I don't think that Freddie would have ever been able to kill the monster on his own because that was something from maybe her childhood that she had to confront and that she had to overcome. And much like maybe sort of that closed door, maybe that rep- represented some of his emotional uh, uh, what's the, distance or, or being closed off emotionally, maybe toward his stepdad and maybe toward his mom and, and some other things. And so he's going to have to be the one to, to actually confront or solve that problem, much like her with the creature. So once that happens, she wakes up and she's in the hospital And she kind of, she's, she tries to get out of bed. She falls. She's kind of, she gets up. She's very weak. She's staggering, kind of limps. She goes and tries to get to Freddie's room. Of course, there's all these other nurses and stuff. And they're like, oh, Anna, Anna, come here, come here. And she goes into Freddie's room. She pulls back the screen and there's just some old guy. And he's like, oh, hello. Again, we don't know how much time passes, but. It's got to be relatively soon, maybe another day or two goes by. I don't, I wouldn't imagine that they would let her out of the hospital that same day, but let's just say a couple of days goes by. She goes to Freddie's house. Remember, she knows where it is. Um, so she goes there and she knocks on the door and a woman answers. And I'll go ahead and play a clip. It's uh, she, she says it's, it's, uh, she's Freddie's caretaker. So I'll go ahead and, and, and play a clip. Of that again, it's a little bit longer, but uh, I I did like it.
0: Can I help you? Um, I'm looking for Freddie. Um, I'm his caretaker. Come on in. Hi. God, I was at the hospital. I was so scared. <laughs> you were on the bus, right? Rudy, don't you remember? I remember we we had a good talk. He doesn't remember anything. Nothing but being on the bus. That he seems to remember clearly. This may sound crazy, but that was with him in my coma. We were We were here. This town. Only we were. I don't know. He's been having vivid dreams, but he only remembers fragments. Pictures. I'd like to stay with him. How do you know, Freddie, anyway? We grew up down the street from each other. I don't remember doing any of those. They're great. we meet each other before the bus? In a way. I feel like I know you from somewhere else. This is me. See?
1: In that clip, you know, what we were seeing is she goes out to see uh, when she comes in and says, oh, I want to see Freddie. She takes her out there. She goes out and she's, you know, very excited to see him. And she's, you know, very emotional. And you can tell he's kind of like at one point he she reaches up to his and puts her hand on his face. And he's kind of like, what? And, you know, as you heard in the clip. He doesn't really remember much. He He has bits and pieces. But. When they, they go up into Freddie's room and that's when he's saying I don't really remember doing that stuff and then she's showing him things and then that's when you start to see that he's he's looking at her and he's looking back at the drawings looking at her looking at the drawings and you see stuff and you kind of get a musical cue of a like a pshhh, where you I think some of the fog is clearing or some things are becoming closer to him or clearer to him excuse me he gets more and more of a, kind of of these flashbacks and then she asks him. She and it's kind of a little garbled there. But what she asks is, "Do you remember?" And then Freddie says, "Almost." And then they kiss. And then that's when we sort of get the credits. That's the sort of the end of the movie. There is at the end of the credits a sort of a last shot, or and in that last image, is, it starts off as the shot of an interior of a bus, and then you kind of go down a little bit, and you see. Uh, Freddie and he's reading a comic book and she is sitting next to him and she's asleep. She has her head on his shoulder and he looks at her and he smiles and and then he goes back to reading his comic book and then that's basically the, the total end of the movie. What I took from that very end shot was that, well, it tells you a couple of things. It tells you that they're together as a couple. It tells you, that they they formed that that very strong bond by going through what they went through, but the way that Freddie was sitting, the way that he was acting, it was sort of the old Freddie. It was the Freddie that we had seen when he first got on the bus and all throughout the movie. So i th- I choose to interpret that he with with his contact uh being in contact with Anna and everything that he eventually remembers everything and then what he doesn't maybe remember she fills in and he knows that it's true uh, because he's going to remember some of that stuff so anyway again i would i recommend this movie it got on on the rating of imdb it got about 5.4 which is kind of halfway so uh, i i could see how some people wouldn't like it i i liked it i liked the story i even though some movies maybe aren't as uh, as slick or as good or, or as well acted. I, a lot of times I like movies where if it if the movie has a heart or if you feel that everybody in there kind of cared about what was going on, kind of cared about having having a good story and telling that and presenting something well. and maybe if everything wasn't hundred percent, you know that's fine. Uh, I can be pretty forgiving of it but I, I liked it overall, I thought it was a good movie and I would highly recommend it. All right, well, hey, that is going to draw the show to a Close My Monkeys. Recommendations on who else to listen to. Uh, There's tons of other stuff out there. There's uh, B-Movie Cast is now back from their hiatus. Uh, There's Corpse Collective or the Corpse Cast. Well, anyway, there's tons of other stuff. Um, There is sort of an anthology story podcast called the No Sleep Podcast, which is very good. I highly recommend that. Other than that, I will uh, talk to you next time.